Coming up on Stu Does America, Glenn Beck joins us to tell us why we can kiss our prized possessions goodbye. There's a new law restricting abortion in Texas in advance of a Supreme Court challenge. We'll tell you all about it. And we have the truth behind one of the strangest stories of the pandemic. Naturally, it's out of Florida. Let's do the DeSantis conspiracy. Stu does America. So this is a story about Florida. This is a story about Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis. It's also a story about someone named Rebecca Jones. One of the things that has perplexed the media since the start of COVID is how did Florida, of all places, outperform New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, Illinois, Michigan, and so many other blue states? After all, they didn't listen to the science. And they allowed people way too much freedom, way more freedom than blue states around the country. Why were the results so good? The media desperately needed a way to explain this. And that explanation absolutely could not be that Ron DeSantis was right. In steps Rebecca Jones. Now, Rebecca Jones made a series of accusations. You've probably read about these accusations that she was making. That while she was working in Florida for the Department of Health, the government asked her to cook the books. It's a huge accusation. Cooking the books? The death tolls were different than real life? It's a big accusation. Well, of course, the media ate it up. They loved this storyline and they ran with it like crazy. So what was Rebecca Jones' evidence? Charles C.W. Cook looked into this for National Review and reported on it. And one of his main points was all of this, all of these accusations repeated so often by the media, they're all sourced back to this one person, Rebecca Jones. Quote, when I write single handedly, I mean it for Jones is not one of the people who have advanced this conspiracy theory, but rather is the person who has advanced this conspiracy theory. This is about Jones and Jones alone. If she falls, it falls. And boy, does it deserve to fall. So what are her accusations? Quote, Jones claims that while she was working at the Florida Department of Health last year, she was instructed by her superiors to alter the raw data so that Florida's COVID response would look better and that Having refused, she was fired. Were this charge true, it would reflect one of the most breathtaking political scandals in all of American history. Of course, this charge is true in New York. This is exactly what happened under uh, Andrew Cuomo, except no one was fired for it. But that might be because, I don't know, um, they did it on you know, behalf of Cuomo. But that's a whole other story for another day. In fact, another day, yesterday. Particularly yesterday. It's another story for yesterday. Go back and watch the show yesterday and go, we go through a bunch of that. So, does Jones's story have any validity? Does she have the qualifications and evidence to prove that this scandal is true? Cook writes, there's simply no story here. By all accounts, Rebecca Jones is a talented developer of GIS dashboards, but that's all she is. She's not a data scientist. She's not an epidemiologist. She's not a doctor. She didn't build the data system, as she now claims, nor is she a data manager. 
Her role at the Florida Department of Health was to serve as one of the people who export others people, other people's work from sets which she had no control and to present it nicely on the state's dashboard. Now, that's not a, a, a role that is unimportant. You know, these states churn out data all the time and being able to visualize it and understand it is important. Making data look pretty is like one of the central functions of this stupid show, actually. And we do it with you guys all the time. So that's not absolutely without merit or value. It's an important job and it can be, but it's not a central job. You're not you're not going bed to bed and checking uh, checking hospitals to figure out if this data is right. You're not even entering the data. You're not like typing it in. You're taking data other people have presented and you're uploading it into uh, a design program and you're making sure that people can understand it easily. Cook also goes through Jones twists and turns as she's repeatedly had brushes with the law and blow ups with previous employers and you know, that goes maybe to credibility a little bit. There's some pretty interesting stuff in there. But he also uh, detailed how Jones uh, departed and what she says about her departure. What really happened when she was fired? Seems like what she's saying and what really happened were completely different. She claims she was fired for refusing to fudge the numbers. That's the phrase you hear a lot. She wasn't. She was fired for insubordination as her personnel file, which is public, makes clear. She claims that as revenge for telling the truth, Governor Ron DeSantis sent his Gestapo after her. That's her word. But that's untrue. Her house was searched because records from Comcast, the cable provider, showed that a, a computer that used her IPv6 address had hacked into the state systems and downloaded private personnel information from 19,000 state employees. Then she uh, alleged all sorts of misbehavior from the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, which body camera <laughs> footage shows wasn't true. Oh, uh oh, a lot of problems there. Now, it's not just Cook or people on the right who are saying all these things. Jay O'Brien is a local Florida reporter with CBS. He notes the thing about the Rebecca Jones saga, there's no evidence to support what she has claimed. Simply None. And we've all looked. But that won't stop people on Twitter from taking her at her word. So this will truly, this will never truly be over until people just stop paying attention. One thing I will say about Rebecca Jones, she has been very good at getting attention. This was embraced by everyone in the media, this story from Rebecca Jones. This was the hot thing to talk about if you were on MSNBC. It almost like, seemed to be a legal requirement to have to talk about this story on MSNBC. And of course, this isn't about, any, about Rebecca Jones. It's not about data. It's certainly not about COVID. There was a goal here. That goal was to attack Ron DeSantis, who the left clearly see as a massive threat. Take him down by any means necessary. And Jones has continued to attack DeSantis and the people around him. Uh, Cook has updated this sort of saga here. And I have to walk you through this because it's an absolutely unbelievable story. After the, you saw a clip of uh, Charles Cook on with Morning Joe a few days ago. After that, Rebecca Jones, the, the woman we're talking about, made a dramatic claim about a woman named Christina Pushaw. Now, she used to write for Human Events. She now works in Governor DeSantis's office. She apparently uh, po posted uh, some tweets and 
made these tweets about the, the press secretary for, uh, for uh, DeSantis, claiming that she was facing criminal charges for having violated a restraining order that Jones, the Florida woman, had taken out uh, against her. So our, da- our, our data wizard here has taken out a restraining order against someone in the DeSantis administration. So let me walk you through exactly how this happened. And it's fantastic because it really explains how all of this stuff goes down. So first, Rebecca Jones claims that she was being harassed by this woman in the DeSantis administration. Then the way her county uh, has these things work is a little bit different than it might work in your county. Basically, what happens is when someone says I'm being harassed and I have a restraining order, in this county, they say, okay, we're going to just temporarily give you, we're going to temporarily grant it, okay? So, the, it's so I mean, and you can kind of understand why you'd want to do something like this. Uh, instead of having a judge look at it and see if there's any merit to it, we, we're going to temporarily grant it in case uh, there's something really going on. We're going to say yes is our first response, and then we'll look at it and see if it's okay. So they temporarily approve it, basically until they can look into it. Now... Before the the restraining order goes into full effect, which has been approved by a judge, you are allowed to file a citizen complaint, which is basically saying, hey, there's a restraining order against this person and they broke it. Who does the restraining order against this person? Rebecca Jones. Who files the citizen complaint? Rebecca Jones. Now, at this point, the person in the DeSantis administration doesn't even know they have a restraining order against uh, against. uh, She doesn't even know she has it against her to stay away from Rebecca Jones. And she doesn't violate. There's no evidence that she's violated it in any way. She doesn't even know it exists. So then both of these documents, the initial restraining order and the complaint are posted up on the website for everyone to see. Well, eventually the judge gets a chance to look at it. And I want to give you this uh, on April. This was April 30th. A district court, Maryland in Montgomery County denied Jones's uh, petition to extend the interim peace order or restraining order uh, on the grounds that the, quote, petitioner could not meet the required burden of proof. Hmm. Specifically, the judge explained to Jones that journalism is not harassment. I mean, it can be sometimes it can at least feel that way. But eh, we do have a First Amendment. Uh, Americans are free to examine the falsifiable claims of public figures and that there was no evidence of harassment or any likelihood of future harassment or of any item that would be the basis of relief. On the District Court of Maryland's website, the case is now listed as closed with the result. This order is denied because there is no statutory basis for relief. OK, so she fake she kind of put together a fakey uh, restraining order and it was denied. What's the big deal? Well, The problem is that secondary citizen complaint that she filed is still there. It has not gone through the process and been rejected. Okay, so the initial restraining order, that's gone. But the secondary complaint, which is based on a restraining order that's already been thrown out of court, is still on the website. What does Rebecca Jones do? She tweets the still active secondary complaint that will definitely be thrown out because it's based on a restraining order that doesn't exist. She tweets that out and insinuates that the person in the DeSantis administration is uh, facing criminal charges. Of course, what happens? Every check, blue check mark on the left, tweet, 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 retweet, retweet, retweet. And this is now fact in way too many people's minds. 
It's incredible what is going on here in this situation. And you can read all about this with Charles Cook's uh, reporting at National Review. People believe this stuff because they want to believe it. They want an open and shut story of conservative evil to peddle to their audience. They thought they had that with Trump, but they can't find it in DeSantis or Noam or so many others. There was this sort of thing that everyone on the right talked about, this Trump derangement syndrome. But now there's the Trump hangover effect. There has been a lot of political violence over the past year. Most of it has come from the left. But January 6th is part of that, too. And I want answers on all of it. I want to know why it took so long for the National Guard to be deployed on January 6th. And I want to know why prominent Democrats were justifying property destruction, cheering on violence and paying for the release of criminals throughout the summer. I'm absolutely fine with a commission to look into all of that. But that's not what the Democrats want a January 6th commission for. They want it because they want the hair of the dog. They don't have Trump in their lives anymore to deliver hate clicks and retweets. And so they are left with a pounding headache the morning after. They'll do anything to create another boogeyman that will just make that hangover go away, including believing random people with ridiculous claims. They're all looking for their next Michael Avenatti. And we saw how well that turned out for them. But when you're an alcoholic and you're hungover, you don't make good decisions. You just do anything you can to down that next drink. And the media is getting drunk on DeSantis all over again. If you're running a business, HR issues can absolutely kill you. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations. We talk about all the regulation that comes from the government all the time, and it's terrible. Uh, we know how that pressures businesses. HR manager salaries are not cheap. We're talking 70 grand a year. Bambi, though, makes this a lot easier. B-A-M-B-E-E. -E. That's how you spell it, B-A-M-B-E-E, -E, created specifically for small business. Your dedicated HR manager is available, available by phone, email, or real-time chat. And when I say your dedicated uh, official, they are. They're dedicated to you. You're not like bouncing around to 90 different people that have to learn your business every time you call in. You have one person who deals with you all the time. It's great. Uh, we're talking uh, onboarding, terminations, uh, all the policies that fit your business. You can help you manage your employees day to day, all for just 99 bucks a month. You can go month to month, no hidden fees, cancel any time. Could it be easier? B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash stew. Go there now and set up your free HR audit. It's Bambi.com slash stew. Don't forget the slash stew part of the address because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Bambi.com slash stew. B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash stew. All right, let's bring in Glenn. Glenn Beck, his newest special. Airs tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern, directly after this program. It's We'll Own Nothing and Be Happy, the great reset of American property. You don't want to miss it. Glenn, thanks for coming on the program. You're welcome, Stu. Now, tonight's really important. Mm -hmm. Tonight's really important because we're talking about property rights and not just our private property, which we do delve into a great deal, but also intellectual property. And it's being changed for a reason. Yeah, you know, uh, when I think health, I think Glenn Beck. Uh, just, I mean, that's just what happens naturally. Right. <laughs> you know? right. 
Right. <laughs> yeah. Is it the moo moo? Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this, I think you hit on something that the media does not seem to want to talk about. Uh, uh, what would actually happen, and you particularly talk about the COVID-19 vaccine here, but this, this really spreads across everything. Uh, if the government basically undermines the private property rights of companies, how does the economy operate? How do we innovate? How do we make people healthy? Well, um, it'll be become public-private partnerships, and our government will have the money to invest because private individuals won't have the money and won't be doing the investment. You know, if you look at the average, uh, the average uh, cost to develop a drug and then bring it to market is two point six billion dollars. Mm. Two point six billion dollars. The the problem is is only 12% of those actually make it to market. So you're investing all of this money and only 12% are successful. How are you going to do that? Who's going to pick that? The free market has always been the one that decides because there's you have to understand human nature. There is great uh you know a, a great pull of I'm going to be famous, I'm going to be famous for curing cancer, and if I can actually cure cancer, I'm also going to be unbelievably rich. That's human nature. And if you take human nature out of it, which progressives always try to do, it falls apart immediately. Yeah, and if we're going to have a society that can reward people for accomplishing things, these are the type of people who should be rewarded. I mean, as important as the work LeBron James does on an NBA court, <laughs> like yeah. if you're curing, I mean, look, we're out of this pandemic largely because of these vaccines, not entirely, but largely, you know, a company that is able to do this and get us out of a global pandemic. Every per I want the janitor to be a billionaire. That's what I want. So do I. So do I. Um, and we didn't used to have a problem with that. But there is a reason we are changing uh, all of these uh, all of these rules. Um, we are changing them. You know, there is the 30 by 30 plan, which nobody really even talks about. Uh, and that's an important plan for the Biden administration. It means 30 percent of the nation needs to be federally protected by 2030. Meaning there is you're not walking on it. You're not going. You're not visiting. It is protected from humans. Uh, and that's 30 percent, which means we own now 12 percent is protected land by the federal government. So they've got a long way to go in 10 years. How are you possibly going to protect? This is the addition of the state of Texas. Okay. That's how much acreage they're talking about. The state of Texas needs to be added to the Fed's role. That's insanity. First of all, anybody who lives out in the West knows the worst neighbor to your farm or to your house. The worst neighbor is the government. They never take care of the land. They think they know what they're doing, but they're way away on the other side of the country and they're all eggheads. It, it, the local people know how to take care of the land. It will mean, I believe, destruction of so much land in our uh, in our country. Um, but, you know, we used to be against this. Stu, you remember 
um, driving up every day. We used to work in Radio City Music Hall and in New York City, right next to 30 Rock. And most people never notice uh, one strange fact of this 12 block area. And it is on 30 Rock. There are two buildings right attached to 30 Rock. But they're not attached. They're they're actually they built 30 Rock around these two buildings. Why? It it completely throws off the architecture. It, it Rockefeller couldn't get those two buildings. How come? Well, because one of them was a a longtime family Irish family bar, and they knew they held on to it all the way through um, the. Um, uh, the Depression, and they held all the way through it when America went dry and we had prohibition. They had held on to that, knowing that that can't last. And it was just about to be repealed. And there was no way this guy was going to let his family bar be sold and demolished by Rockefeller. The guy on the other side of 30 Rock, he wouldn't sell it because he got greedy. He was offered like a million dollars at the time for that property. One guy, because he's like, no, it's my family's and you're not taking it. The other one was because of greed. Rockefeller never got either of those buildings. Neither of them. That wouldn't happen today. That is the right to private property. And they started to uh, uh, fray at that right uh, a long time ago. But this is now on steroids. And I think you're going to see a lot of private property and intellectual property go away. And it is specifically guaranteed in our Constitution that private intellectual property and private property remain with the inventor or the owner. Yeah, I, I love that story about Rockefeller Center. I mean, there's so many of those great ones from New York. Hess Triangle is another one uh, where they tried to, they, the guy uh, owned an apartment complex and the city said, we're going to basically build, uh, you know, right through it and you're going to have to get rid of it. You're going to have to sell it to us. He refused, 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 finally lost it. But when they marked the property off, they left a little tiny triangle, you know, you know yay big. Um, and uh, that was still his property that they left off by mistake. And he refused to sell it to them. And to this day, there's like a little mosaic there with, uh, with it that says a uh, property of Hess estate will never be sold for public purposes. It's a little tiny thing. People walk by it all the time. and have no idea what it means. And like that was the spirit of this country for a really long time. Like it was offensive for you to even insinuate that the government would would take precedence it, over the individual it was the root of the phrase that we all say jokingly now get off my lawn <laughs> you know no one could come onto your property and tell you what to do and we've lost that right long ago we're about to lose all property uh rights and when it comes to vaccines We've seen this happen. Hillary Clinton did the vaccines for children campaign where she said, you know, these this shouldn't be private property. You know, the government should be able to make vaccines for everybody. Well, everybody stopped making vaccines. And in the early 2000s, what happened? We had a shortage of vaccines because nobody was making them because they knew you're not going to make money. If you if you do this with covid why would anyone continue on research for cancer or for diabetes? Anything that 
the globe might need. Why would you work on those things? Mm. You're not going to make money. No. They're going to take it from you the minute you invest in it. Yeah. Uh, or in, 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 in uh, finish it. And, you know, Glenn, as you know, I heart big pharma. I'm a big fan of big pharmaceutical <laughs> companies. Uh, and I feel like they get, uh, you know, the, the raw, uh, raw deal uh, often because, you know, here we are. You're right. It's, it, it costs a fortune for them to develop these uh, medications. Uh, they miss all the time. I mean, they don't know if something's going to work or not work. This doesn't mean that they're perfect companies, but they do risk a lot. And then often when they do get something approved, the very small percentage of people who might have a negative effect are the ones that make all the news. They're constantly seen as these evil companies. Um, And, you know, I think we've seen a turn not only from the left, who's always sort of been opposed to big business in every way. It does seem like even on the right, there's a lot of hesitation um, from from embracing, you know, I think a success between the Trump administration and capitalism generally. And, you know, this idea that maybe profits shouldn't come to these companies. Where, Where does the right stand on this? I have no idea. I know I think I know where the average American who believes in the Constitution and capitalism stands. But I don't know where the right stands. Do you? I don't know where the Republicans stand on this. We have Thomas Massey on tonight in, mm. uh, in just a little while of, that's going to talk about this. I know where he stands, but mm, I mean, everybody's in it for themselves in Washington, it seems, or most are. And you can't tell the difference a lot of times between the two. Um, you've done a great job kind of highlighting the Great Reset stuff and, and broadening this picture maybe a little bit bigger uh, than, uh, you know, the day-to-day news goes. But as you talk about this private property thing, I mean, just look at what we've talked about right here. It's not just, hey, you know, get off my lawn, right? It's we're talking about health. We're talking about big issues, right, that, that surround this, uh, this. We're talking about the United States government owning and being responsible now they're the co-signer on 70 percent of all mortgages Hmm. of all mortgages about 90 percent of all new mortgages especially to low in uh, to uh low income houses that's a lot of property that they now own if people start to default it's a lot of land (laughs) a lot of property this ju- I just don't see how this is going to end well. And I, I'm concerned that, you know, we've come to a place as a country where the, the average person looks at this and is kind of OK with it. You know, I had Michael Malice on yesterday and he, he made the point of, uh, you know, a lot of people in the government, a lot of bad people with maybe bad intentions have learned a lot of really valuable lessons over the past oh, yes, year they have. as to what people will put up with. And, I, you know, man, it just so seems like they're going to test these waters. We talked about today, we talked about masks. And I think that uh, some conservatives see the mask as a little red armband on the people because they've become so controlling over that. It is, you will do it or you're a killer. And they see no masks as a little yellow star. We're all marked. Mm. And, you know, we are, we are clearly going down many of the same roads. Doesn't mean we end at the same place. But, you know, you should stop and notice we're doing the same thing that the Germans did by dividing everybody. And here's, here's how you get people to go along with this. 
you got people to demonize a whole group of people and they lost all their property. They lost their houses. They lost everything. Well, their shoes were given to the good soldiers and the good moms that were were trying just to keep the homeland fires burning. And, you know, we're going to divvy up their stuff in the neighborhood when when the neighborhood got rich from the the goods in that Jewish house, they didn't say anything. We could easily become this. We have to stand for property rights. All right, before you go, and the special's coming up tonight, don't, don't miss the special with Glenn Beck tonight. You mentioned masks, and I just have to stop here for one second. Can, is there any part of you that can handle, I can't mentally handle it, that we are now being lectured by the left to make no. sure that we're considerate to people who no. still want to wear masks? No, no. <laughs> There's, you know, a friend of mine said to me, I haven't seen him in about a year, um, and he said to me last night, he said, I listen to you every day, Glenn. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. How do you put up with this every single day? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, I guess it's just, it's just part of it now. I just <laughs> got to keep going, I guess. But it's the same thing. I think everybody is feeling this. How, wait, you're going to lecture me? I've been saying to you that this mask thing is bogus. I've been saying to you that Fauci is only doing this as a pose. He comes out on television and says, yeah, it was it was just theater. I mean, hey, I did it because, you know, I didn't want to send conflicting messages. But, yeah, it really doesn't do anything. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> and now you're telling me to be kind to the people who called me and everybody else the killers of their grandmothers. Come on. Mm. Well, I can't take it. Remember when you were a kid and you used to complain about dinner and then your mom would say, you'll get nothing and like it. It's kind of what Glenn Beck's special is named tonight. Yes, we'll we'll own nothing and be happy. <laughs> yes, you <laughs> the, will. The Great Reset of American Property. It airs just a little bit uh, uh, after this program, right at 9 p.m. Eastern, right after the show. And, of course, the best way to watch is with your own subscription to Blaze TV. Head to blazetv.com slash stew and enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. And you can do that by watching Glenn's show. I don't know how that works, but I will say you'll save 10 bucks. Glenn, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Stu. All right, bye. Thank you so much for joining me tonight to do America. Really appreciate you being on the team. If you get a second, swing over to my Instagram page at Stu Does America and give me a follow. You'll get exclusive content and the link in the bio takes you to all the places you can stream this show for free. And since I know you didn't miss yesterday's show, you must be jonesing for your own Andrew Cuomo is awful apparel mm -hmm, or a mug, whatever you need. Your wish is my command. Just head over to andrewcuomoisawful.com. Get your mug, your T-shirt, whatever you want that says how crappy Andrew Cuomo is. Andrew Cuomo is awful.com. Um, Greg Abbott is the governor of the state of Texas. He has put together uh, one of the most strict abortion laws in the country. Uh, it was uh, signed into law today. It would prohibit uh, Texas uh, abortions as early as six weeks before some women even know they're pregnant. You always know. Man, I love when they do that <laughs> before some women even know they're pregnant. That's to uh, make you feel terrible about this restriction. And when I say restriction, I mean, you know, ending the life of a human being. You know, you can't do that. 
I don't know, six weeks? Sounds about six weeks too late to me, but what do I know? I'm a man and I have nothing to do with the reproductive process. That's not how that works. Uh, Laws takes effect in uh, September. Now, this is super restrictive. The one they're going into the Supreme Court on is Mississippi's law. That's 15 weeks. And that's interesting um, because I want to talk to we're going to talk to Josh Hammer tomorrow. I want to uh, talk to him and ask him if he sees any significance in this because so many states around the country have laws that are at 20 weeks, 22 weeks, 24 weeks. Why did the Supreme Court decide to take the case that it's where it's 15 weeks? Seems to be even more restrictive than so many states have gone, and that'll be interesting. The six-week thing would go even further. We'll see if that holds up. Really, you'd probably need a full reversal of Roe versus Wade to get a six-week ban. We'll see uh, how that holds up. By the way, Abbott not mentioned in a poll of presidential hopefuls that just came out. Uh, this is from Morning Consult and Politico. 982 registered voters. Look, this is very early, so you take it, you take it as a grain of salt. It's just a, a snapshot as to where we are right now. But that snapshot tells you what I've been telling you and what I think you know about the Republican Party, which is it is Donald Trump's party. I mean, it's, it's essentially a party of one uh, right now. Here's what it looks like. Uh, Trump at 48 percent. Mike Pence at 13 percent. Ron DeSantis, who we talked about earlier on the show, at 8 percent. Donald Trump Jr. at 7 percent. Then Mitt Romney uh, and Nikki Haley at 4 percent, along with Ted Cruz. Tim Scott at 2 percent. Marco Rubio, Christy Nome, Mike Pompeo at 1%. Uh, Liz Cheney chimes in at 1% as well. And then 0% for Hogan uh, from Maryland, uh, Rick Scott, and Josh Hawley at 0%. So, I, I mean, Hawley's raised his profile quite a bit, but 0% is probably not where he wants to be in this particular poll. But, I mean, go back and look at this again. You got Trump at 48, his vice president at 13%. So, really... They've had their disagreements, but that's essentially a Trump vote, right? Like, I mean, it's just basically assuming that Trump's not going to run. Now, Pence is certainly a different character. I don't think Mike Pence has a chance right now, um, unless some miracle uh, Trump and Pence make up. But really, the vote for Pence is to vote for what you'd call, you know, and a lot of people refer to as a professionalized Trump, a guy who's maybe not tweeting as much, maybe not in, in sort of food fights, uh, but is still kind of governing uh, with a lot of the same policies. That would be the case for uh, Pence, right? You get the Trump with all, out all those, that outlying Trump stuff that you might not like. Well, that's 61% of the vote. Then you have Ron DeSantis, who's been described the same way. A guy who has a lot of the same policies as Trump, likes to fight with the media, but is a little more professionalized. Maybe not going to you know, attack someone on their appearance, but is going to fight with the media. Then you have Donald Trump Jr. Do I need to convince you that that's essentially a Trump vote, too? The top, the top four of them here come in at 69, 76% of the vote. And I would argue all of them are pretty much Trump votes. Now, the opposition to Trump, you start getting after that with people like Mitt Romney and Liz Cheney, uh, 5% of the vote. <laughs> So this idea that there's this big civil war, and I've even referred to it that way, it's not a very good civil war. You know, it's a kind of a mediocre to crappy civil war, if it's a civil war. Because this is just Donald Trump's party. It's what it is. And it's going to be that way until something drastic changes. My guess is, I, I still suspect that he may very well run. I think he's going to keep it open, his options open, at least until the last second, unless, unless he hands off. Uh, the reins to one of his kids. It's really the only way I can see this going another way. 
And, you know, look, I like Donald Trump Jr. We've had him on the radio show a bunch of times. Uh, he's kind of a, an entertaining commentator and has made a big name for himself. Uh, really, though, I don't know if he's the candidate. I mean, I, I, you know, Ivanka comes off to me more as a candidate. But, of course, her policies are probably the furthest left in the entire family. Uh, so I don't know if that's a Republican nominee. That's a Republican nominee that's totally different. And she's known for kind of being the anti-Trump Trump. So I don't think the Trump people would particularly embrace that. So, I look, I think this is totally up in the air with one exception. If Donald Trump decides to run again. And if he decides to run again, it's his. It's his. I mean, this is his party. He runs it. He owns it. And that's where we are, whether you like that or not. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I really take any person's name and, and, and fit it into that sentence. It makes me very uncomfortable. I don't want I don't want a political party that's based on one person. It doesn't work out in the long run, especially when that person, I don't know if you noticed, happens to be in his 70s. So we'll see how this works out. This is a very early poll. You can only take so much out of it. But it does paint a, a picture of where we are in this space and time. The Republican Party is Donald Trump. That's that's it. I mean, almost every name on this is some version of Donald Trump and Trumpism. So the idea that a Mitt Romney's going to rise up out of this picture, um, or some moderate's going to rise up out of this picture, some constitutional guy is going to rise up out of that picture, I don't know how that happens, frankly. I don't think it's going to unless Donald Trump decides he's done with the party completely. Back in a second. So if you're trying to stay fit, be healthy, you've probably discovered now uh, that you need to find things that you really like to eat that can fill you up because you can't, you know, look, sometimes you're on the go. You can't always make that perfect salad or the perfect uh, egg white omelet to keep you full. You need something like a Built Bar. Built Bar is here to make sure that you have food that you can eat that you actually like, that tastes delicious, that's low in calories, low in carbs, high in protein, high in fiber. There's nothing like a Built Bar. We had a friend who uh, went to... Um, the Built Bar factory took a little tour and loaded up on it. One of their new flavors is birthday cake. I think it just came out. If you want to ha- try their birthday cake, they have birthday cake. They have some spicy one they just released. They've got incredible flavors. Lots of brownie stuff, lots of coconut, lots of caramel, all the delicious flavor- flavors. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code STU15. Save 15% off your next order. The promo code is STU15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Use STU15 for 15% off. And it also makes you a good person in the eyes of Built Bar. STU15 at BuiltBar.com. Las Vegas is back starting June 1st. We'll be back at 100 percent, kind of the pre-pandemic situation in Vegas. No masks, no capacity limits, none of that stuff going on. Pretty exciting. Uh, It's great to see Vegas back. I will say the same slogan that applied before continues to apply. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas unless it's a virus. Doesn't matter if it's COVID. Lots of stuff swimming around there. Make sure to avoid it. Uh, by the way, do we even need Vegas anymore that, now that we have crypto? I mean, that's the real gambling, man. Uh, crypto, holy crap, what a day. It was at 50,000. We're talking Bitcoin here, 50,000. Dropped all the way down to 30,000. At one point, I actually saw it under 30,000 today. It seemed to have bounced back up to kind of in between those two points. This all started, of course, with Elon Musk's dumb comment about environmentalism. And remember it forever until the day you die. Remember it. Now, of course, I don't really hate Elon Musk, but I'm very pissed off at him right now. Pissed off at him. 
right now, pissed off. This, however, had much more to do with China and the new restrictions on crypto in China. It's where most of the mining happens. They don't want to have uh, transactions going on. Uh, it's pretty bad. By the way, um, on the Elon Musk front, Tesla's taking a bath, too. Uh, this is what happens when you have Bitcoin in your company treasury. When Bitcoin goes down, people are like, ah, oh, well, that sucks. I don't want to invest in that company anymore. I will say, as a person who's gone through this before multiple times, when I first bought cryptocurrency, it went down like 70%, all the way from 600 to 200 so I will say there have been times where it's felt like tragedy uh, has hit and this will go away forever. Who knows? Maybe this is the time. But, uh, you know, look, these things tend to turn themselves around. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow, by the way, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, a little story update for you. She's been selling these vagina candles. Well, one of them exploded. The vagina exploded. Uh, that's not the type of headline you want associated with your company. Uh, Goop, uh, which... Is I would say the like the perfect name for her company, Goop. It's just a bunch of terrible things on a website is the way I would describe it. But Goop uh, is fighting back. They say uh, it is a frivolous lawsuit, and the seventy-five dollar candle, which is called "This Smells Like My Vagina," it's frivolous because there is a warning on the candle. The candle says don't burn it for longer than two hours, which seems incredibly uncomfortable. Uh, but also, it is, uh, I guess the guy who's, who had the vagina candle explode was burning it for three hours. Now, I, I might be a stickler for product safety, but like, if the thing's going to blow up in three hours, I think you should be a little bit more clear about that, like up front. Like, will explode in three hours seems like the right type of warning. I don't know, I could be wrong, but I'm also not the type of person who's buying a candle that says, this smells like my vagina. Back in a second. So as you may know, Nancy Pelosi sucks. That's why we made these pens. Nancy Pelosi sucks pens. Available at nancypelosisuckspen.com. Uh, we had a huge shipment of these come in around uh, Thanksgiving, and they were supposed to last us for the Christmas holiday. We sold out uh, like before Thanksgiving weekend was over. So we made a gigantic order, uh, the biggest one I think we've made, and we've sold through a lot of them, but there's still a few left. And if you would like to get yours, uh, get, go to nancypelosisuckspen.com. It's a replica of the exact pen Nancy Pelosi used. Uh, when she signed the impeachment of Donald Trump, complete with her signature, just like on the real pen, and then the word sucks uh, right, right after it. Because I'm an adult, and that's why I make uh, elevated, nuanced humor like that. NancyPelosiSucksPen.com. The best part about it, people tell me this all the time, they give it to their liberal friends who are writing with it and like finish up writing and then look at the pen and realize what they've done. And I just love that. Okay, before well, we're talking, speaking of trying to realize later on what you've done, there's a new restaurant, and it is uh, designed by Chris Angel. You know, this guy, he was a, kind of a big magician for a while. I think he still has a thing in Vegas that he does. Well, he's got a new restaurant out, and it's called uh, Cablepa? I, <laughs> I have no idea. Cablepa? It's actually apparently pronounced Kablip, spelled, though, C-A-B-L-P. So I know that the real mind freak of Chris Angel is that he still exists in the public consciousness. That's impressive. Here's wishing the best to emo David Blaine and his new unpronounceable venture. <laughs>